Gonzaga has time to do something. Suggs for the win. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Unbelievable. Classic basketball game. What is up, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the 3D. I'm Paul and Brian. I'd like to welcome everyone back to the Review and Preview Network for my weekly NBA and college basketball show. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. In tonight's episode, we'll be looking at some of the top news around the NBA, as we always do. Then we'll shift over to college basketball. Huge week in college basketball, obviously. Um as we'll look at the final eight people that came out, who's punched their tickets to the big dance, preview each of the big conference tournaments that are planned, that are getting ready to start today and tomorrow. And later I'll reveal my updated top 10 wooden award list as the college basketball regular season comes to an end. Hope everybody's doing well. We got a ton of basketball going on this week. It's, it is March and the best best time of the year for us basketball fans, for us college basketball fans. Um, the, there's already been a lot of madness that's gone down in some of the conference tournament games, but uh, you know we'll get to that in a few. But first things first, we'll run through a couple of NBA topics just before we you know jump into all of the college basketball that's going on. Uh, Russell Westbrook. So obviously. There's a lot of drama going on right now with Russell Westbrook. Um, so like his wife was tweeting out uh, th- things saying that they were receiving death threats, all that kind of stuff because of his poor play. Um, the Lakers fans have been ruthless around him. And, you know, he's kind of tried to defend himself and he has not had a good season. The Lakers have had a terrible season uh, altogether. But, you know, I... It, it's it's such a difficult situation and really the, the thing that I stand on it is I feel really bad for Russell Westbrook um I think that you know he's he had a great career he's an amazing player but um you know it's just been a down year and I feel like everybody on this Lakers team is feeling it at this point you know this this has been such a bad year they're probably going to get a play-in spot like they'll be able to compete for a a playoff spot they're going to be in the play and it looks like they'll be like cemented at number nine but uh them even getting a even winning one of those games is seeming less and less likely as time goes on unless they get Anthony Davis back um but and if they're a nine seed, they have to win two games uh, that that are do or die. So, 
um in order to even to even get the eight seed so that's that's definitely going to be the difficult part but the main thing is russell westbrook right now i think that it's difficult there's also been new rumors going around too that um he could be on his way out of los angeles you know him and the team haven't gone along completely and with all of the backlash that you know he's kind of been getting over the past week um or the entire season but especially this past week it seems like that he's going to be playing somewhere else find a fifth home in in five years uh for westbrook so difficult situation my thoughts on russell westbrook is it stinks he's that he's the example um uh he he had a chance to win a championship he definitely had a good good opportunity to win a championship, but his loyalty to the Thunder is what ended up costing him. And I'm all for guys being loyal. I prefer it. Uh, trying to win from where you are, trying to win from, you know, with who drafted you. That's why I love what Damian Lowe is doing. But I think the Kevin Durant, we, we'll go back all the way to 2016, the Kevin Durant breakup, I think, just kind of derailed his career. He was able to become the face of the Thunder and was able to put up monster stats, but was never able to get them over the hump because he didn't really have the greatest supporting cast around him. And Westbrook is the kind of player, I mean, we live in an age where in the NBA you need two stars at least to win, it, to win an NBA championship. The, that's pretty much the bottom line. That's why everybody teams up with everybody. That's kind of what you have to do. You have to team up at this point. Um you know, almost with the exception of last year when Giannis won, you know, you can consider Chris Middleton a star, but he's probably in that lower tier. But besides, but besides that, um, you pretty much have to have two superstars in order to win. And Westbrook had that when he was with Durant in Oklahoma City. Uh, I think the two of them had a good enough team to possibly win it all, but. You know, Durant leaving kind of derailed it. He stayed true to Oklahoma City, uh, became Mr. Thunder, and, you know, kept them competitive, put up MVP, put up that MVP season, average triple doubles, all that kind of stuff. But that was kind of his window to win a championship. And uh, the, I, I'm pretty sure, I, th I think the window is pretty, the uh, ship has pretty much sailed on that, it seems like. And he, you know, he stayed loyal to the Thunder, and that ended up that's you know what ended up costing him. Then, then going to the Rockets, Rockets were not a great fit. Then he was the Wizards was more of a pit stop last year. Um, he obviously the Wizards weren't going to do anything. He was kind of um, he was just a throw in in one of those trades. And then going to the Lakers, you know, they thought that uh, it could be a better thing, but you had an aging LeBron. Westbrook is not the same player that he was even three years ago. And Anthony Davis is extremely injury prone, even though he's fantastic when he does play. But it's a very tough situation because um, this ship has definitely sailed on Westbrook uh, be, being the star player of a championship team. At this point in his career, I think – you know, he, he's got another year of like $45 million he's going to get, he's going to pay, which is going to be very difficult for the Lakers to get rid of unless they eat the money. But um, at this point in his career, he's going to have to be a third or fourth option. 
you know, third at best, honestly. He's a third option right now with the Lakers and still not going well. So he, he's if he wants to win that championship, I think he's going to have to take like a fourth option kind of thing. And um, that, that's going to be that's going to end up being the way that he wins one, you know, kind of like what Clyde Drexler did at the end of his career, you know, spent his entire career with the Trailblazers, was never able to get over the hump. Um, to me, uh, to be completely honest with you, Clyde Drexler's career and Russell Westbrook's career to me are very similar. I think that completely different players. I'm not saying that their play type is similar, but their uh, career trajectory was very similar. Drexler stayed true to the trailblazers and was their star player, brought them to one NBA finals where they lost to Michael Jordan and the bulls. Uh, the Westbrook did the exact same thing, helped to bring the thunder to the finals where they lost the Miami heat with LeBron. Um, but they, he stayed true to his team. And at the end of his career, when he realized, you know, he's not going to be the star player for a championship winning team. He joined the Houston Rockets where he's from Houston and he joined the Houston Rockets where they had Hakeem Olajuwon and um, Robert Ory and Kenny, the jet Smith and all of those great players. So he didn't, so he, could be like the third or fourth option uh, in an aging career. And he was able to win a championship that way. So I think that that's kind of the way that Westbrook has to go. Um, I think, I think that's probably what he's going to end up doing too. And we'll have to take less money to do that, but I feel bad for him. Bottom line is, you know, all this craziness that anytime you play for a big market team and you don't, and you don't perform up to standard, you're going to get the crazy fans that, you know, say stuff that they're doing. There's, it's just inevitable. You know, you see it in Los Angeles, you'll see it in Chicago, you'll see it in New York. It doesn't, doesn't matter what city you're in. It's, it doesn't matter what's what big city you're in. If you play for a big city, that stuff is going to happen. It probably didn't happen to him in Oklahoma city um, nearly as much. There's probably still some crazy fans, but it's, uh, you know, when you come to Los Angeles, when you come to New York or something like that, that's that's going to happen, especially when the Lakers have a season like they do, like they do. And he's pretty much the scapegoat, too. They, you know, every all Lakers fans love LeBron. You know, they can't they can't bash LeBron or Anthony Davis because they, they won them a championship. So uh, Westbrook kind of has to be the scapegoat, which is the difficult part. So that was really the only NBA news that we're going to go over because we'll jump right into college basketball. we got a couple of college basketball comments. Selection Sunday, you ready? Oh, absolutely right, James. Can't wait. Madness season. We had some madness last night. I That was unbelievable. If any of you guys watched that Chattanooga versus Furman game, oh, my God. That was – that was re- the ending of that was absolutely ridiculous. Um, I didn't watch the majority of – the the majority of the game but i saw parts of overtime and then i saw the highlights of the entire game and i of course i saw the uh game winner live and unbelievable just a teaser right there of what we're about to get all march long i can't wait so before we jump into the conference tournaments final ap poll came out uh obviously sunday is selection sunday so there will be no more ap poll so this won't matter anymore, but the final AP poll was released. The top three teams all remained the same. Gonzaga remained at number one, Arizona at two, and Baylor at three. Kentucky jumped two spots from seven to five. Duke fell three spots from four to seven. Villanova also jumped three spots from 11 to eight. 
Tennessee jumped four spots from 13 to nine. So Tennessee rejoined the top 10. UCLA jumped three spots from 17 to 13. Illinois jumped four spots from 20 to 16. I'm pretty sure Illinois went from 16 to 20 to back to 16 the last three weeks in the AP pool. So kind of flip-flopping back and forth. And St. Mary's heading into their big WCC championship game tonight uh, against Gonzaga. They jumped two spots from 19 to 17. So tonight's going to be number 17 Gonzaga versus number one, uh, number one Gonzaga versus number 17 St. Mary's from the WCC championship. Uh, we'll go over that in a few. But then uh, Houston fell four spots after their loss. They fell from 14 to 18. Very interesting thing I saw about Houston. I haven't, I haven't paid too much attention to Houston this year. Um, you know, playing in the American, they kind of like sneak under the radar. But they've had a great record, a great conference record. But one thing I saw was they ha- they haven't been in a team all season that's currently in the uh, March Madness pool, who's currently projected to make the tournament. Uh, they haven't beat a single one of them, which is pretty amazing. Their one big win was against SMU. That's that's unbelievable. I mean, obviously you're playing the American where, um, you know, besides Houston, Memphis has really been the other big team in that conference. Uh, UConn used to be in the conference, but moved out to the big East a couple of years ago, but Houston, very interesting, very interesting. Haven't had much of a tough schedule all season long. So they fell from 14 to 18 Murray state jumped three spots. They, they jumped from 22 to 19 after, winning their their uh division championship they finished undefeated in conference play usc fell five five spots from 16 to 21 and then colorado state and north carolina both rejoined both joined the top 25 colorado state rejoined at 23 and north carolina joined the top 25 for the for the first time all season long in the final week at 25 after their big win against duke on coach k night that was that was another big one that I'm sure all college bas- basketball fans were watching, uh, and Ohio State fell out of the top 25 altogether. So that's the that's the final AP poll. I know, no, I'm sure everybody listening could care less uh, about what about this final AP poll. You know, it's more about the conference rankings and obviously Selection Sunday coming up on Sunday. So we'll get the uh, bracket seeds, but. There it is. There won't be another AP poll again until November. So uh, that's those are going to be the final rankings. And North Carolina was able to squeeze in there. They can say that they were in the top 25, at, at, at least at one point uh, this season. They weren't in at all, and they sneaked in the last week after that Duke win. So good for them. And we'll jump over. Who's punched their tickets? So obviously the big-time tournaments are going down starting today and going into tomorrow and then obviously Saturday and Sunday are going to be the championship games, but a bunch of mid majors have already finished their tournaments and are finishing up tonight. Uh, First one, Murray state beat Moorhead state in the Ohio Valley conference, 71 to 67 Murray state was dominant all season long. This doesn't come as a surprise. Uh, They're going to probably be a six or a seven seed. I, I think maybe even a five seed. They've been absolutely dominant all season long. So they just wrapped it up by by winning the Ohio Valley Conference. But watching that game too, Moorhead State actually stuck in it. 
Uh, Murray only ended up winning by four. So Murray State punched their tickets. They're they're going to be an automatic bid. Longwood beat Winthrop. Longwood uh, will be in the tournament for the first time in uh, in their school's history. They beat Winthrop seventy nine to fifty eight uh, in the Big South finals, and that was that was an interesting one too because Winthrop was great again this year. They were great last year. Um, you know, they were, they were at one point close to a top 25 ranking last year. They were, they were that good, uh, in playing in, in the big South and long and Longwood has had an amazing season and they were able to wrap it up. They blew out Winthrop. So Longwood has an ad has an automatic bid as well. Loyola Chicago beat Drake in the Missouri Valley conference. Big shocker there. Loyola Chicago will be back in the tournament again this year. Uh, Drake was one of the sleeper teams in their conference. I mean, they've been good the last couple of years, but 64 to 58 was the final score. Loyola Chicago had a pretty big lead. I watched most of the entirety of that game. Loyola Chicago had a pretty, pretty big lead. Drake started fighting back towards the end, but uh, Loyola pulled it out. Drew Valentine's squad. They lost Porter Moser. Doesn't even matter. Drew Valentine leads them to, as the youngest head coach in Division One basketball at 30 years old, uh, Drew Valentine leads Loyola Chicago back to the tournament, so they'll be an automatic bid as well. And then the Sun Belt Conference, Georgia State beat Louisiana yesterday, 80-71. to Louisiana was one of those teams, pretty sure that they were like a six or seven seed in their tournament or something. Was not good this year, but was able to pick off some, some teams. But Georgia State had a pretty dominant year, so they win the Sun Belt conference and they'll uh they'll be getting an automatic bid then chattanooga beat Furman in the socon conference in the southern conference uh 64 to 63 in overtime and you know anybody uh who was watching that game last night it was absolutely insane forced overtime Furman uh hit a big shot to take the lead as the game was as the game was coming down to the end, Gene Baptiste fading out of bounds, triple teamed from a good ten feet behind the three points, the three point line, absolutely buried it, and uh, Chattanooga ended up winning. Chattanooga was the favorite. Uh, they're projected to possibly even get like even get a pretty decent seed. They've had a great season, but they wrapped up the job against Furman, sixty four to sixty three. Uh, anybody who hasn't seen didn't see that ending yesterday you got to go check that out that was that was amazing that was just a little taste right there of the kind of madness we're going to get in march and i can't wait and then the final one that actually just wrapped up as the show was starting bellarmine beats jacksonville in the atlantic sun final in the atlantic sun final um to win uh the atlantic sun so bellarmine will be getting an an automatic bid. Jacksonville was the favorite in this one, but Bellarmine was 11 and five in conference play 20 and 13 overall. And they'll be headed back to the tournament. I believe they were in like a year or two ago as well. And then games that are, so before we get to games that are going on tonight, um, basically the rundown is Murray state, Longwood, Loyola, Chicago, Georgia state, Chattanooga, and Bellarmine are all, punch their tickets they'll be the first six teams that have that will make the tournament they all get automatic bids 
for winning their conference. And then going on tonight, we've got five uh, more conference championship games. So we'll have five more teams that punch their ticket by the end of the night. Going on right now in the NEC, we got Wagner versus Bryant. In the CAA, we got Delaware versus UNC Wilmington. And in the Horizon League, we have Wright State versus Northern Kentucky, which is going on right now. All three of those games start at 7 o'clock. So we'll have an ending to those shortly and find out uh, who's making the tournament for each of those. And then later at 9 o'clock, we have the WCC final, which we were just talking about, St. Mary's versus Gonzaga. I mean, St. Mary's and Gonzaga are both both locks to make the tournament, no matter who wins this game. But whoever wins this game gets the automatic bid. The other one will get the at-large bid. But uh, they're both going to be pretty high. I mean, Gonzaga is going to be a one seed. Even if they lose this game, they'll probably they probably still going to be a one seed in the tournament. And same areas is going to be a pretty solid seed as well. If they were to win this game, they could probably be like maybe like a four seed or something like that would be my guess. If they lose this game, they'll probably be a five or a six. So pretty much, uh, pretty much a layup for them. But it's, they're playing in the final tonight at nine o'clock. And then in the Summit League, North Dakota State taking on South Dakota State at 9 o'clock. Two teams that are very familiar with the tournament. We've seen those. We've seen both of those teams in and out of the tournament. They kind of run the Summit League uh, a couple of years ago when South Dakota State had Mike Daum. Uh, all you college basketball junkies probably remember him. He was fantastic. Great player. Uh, I think played in the G League for a little bit, and then he went overseas. Uh, but he was he was really good. He was on South Dakota State, and then Nate Walters too was on South Dakota State. That was uh, another throwback name right there. But anyway, the Summit League at nine o'clock tonight. North Dakota State taking on South Dakota State. So we've got six teams that have already made it, and after tonight, we'll have eleven teams that punch their tickets, and that lead, that will lead us right into the conference tournament, um, the big conference tournaments that are going to go down. So. Without any further ado, we'll jump right into it. Conference tournament previews. The Pac-12, ACC, SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, and Big East all set to start their tournaments both today. Some of the game, some of these conferences started their tournaments today. So some of them are beginning tomorrow. Uh, all of them are having their championship games either Saturday or Sunday. So first up, we'll go into the Pac-12. Pac-12 begins tomorrow at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, The first round that's going down tomorrow. So mark your calendars if you're a Pac-12 fan. First game of the day will be number eight, Arizona State, taking on number nine, Stanford, at 12 o'clock p.m. And then number five, Oregon, taking on number 12, Oregon State, at 2.30 followed by number seven, Washington State, taking on number 10, California, at six. And then number six, Washington, will be taking on number 11, Utah, at 8.30. So those are the first-round games that will be going down tomorrow in the Pac-12 tournament uh, starting at 12 o'clock noon. So basically, the the way that the bracket is going to be set up for the Pac-12, all 12 teams make it. So five through 12 play uh, in the – in – tomorrow's games five through 12 play in tomorrow's games in the first round and the top four seeds all get buys. So then that'll lead us into the second round, which will take place on Thursday. It'll be number one. Arizona will take on the winner of Arizona state versus Stanford at 12 o'clock. 
And then number four, Colorado will take on the winner of Oregon versus Oregon State at 2.30. Number two, UCLA will take on the winner of Washington State versus Cal at 6. And then number three, USC will take on the winner of Washington versus Utah at 8.30. Then the semifinals, the two semifinal games will go down on Friday, and the championship game will take place Saturday night at 6 o'clock p.m. Uh, it's going to be going to be a really uh really exciting one there's a lot of different possibilities that can go down i think um the tie just looking at the top four seeds arizona ucla usc and call in colorado obviously arizona being the favorite but i like if if i were to to choose a couple of underdogs i'm going to in each conference i'm going to take a couple of underdogs that i could see making some noise uh i like stanford at number nine picking off arizona state and then they take on Arizona. They probably don't beat Arizona, but uh, I can see them picking off Arizona State. I like Oregon at number five. They came into the year and uh, Foley Dante, um, Davion Harmon. They got Quincy Garrier from Syracuse. They came into the year. It definitely was supposed to be a lot better than they performed. They were. They probably should have been a consistent top twenty-five team, but they underperformed a little bit this year. I could see them making a little bit of a run. They they take on Oregon State, who is one of the worst teams in college basketball this season. So that should be a layup win. And then they would take on Colorado in the next round, which they could definitely win. But my other sneaky team is Colorado. Colorado has already picked off Arizona. They've already picked off some of the. Uh, some of the top teams in the Pac-12. So I think Colorado could be a, a, another sneaky team. USC is on a little bit of a downfall. UCLA is so inconsistent, so it's tough to uh, bet on any of those. I think Arizona is definitely going to be the team to beat, but I like uh, Colorado, Oregon, and Stanford to possibly make some noise and you know maybe make, make life a little bit difficult for some of the top teams in the Pac-12. We got my dad, Brian, up 17 to four in first nine minutes. Pierre kissed the nation's leading score is going off. That's I I expected. I mean, Bryant was uh expected to win this game. Obviously, they were the one seed, but Peter Kiss has had an amazing season, leads division one in scoring. Fourth year senior, too. Uh definitely could could be a name that you end up seeing at one, at a bigger school next year if he decides to come back. We got Alec Wald, last week's guest, Oshun Oshuni is healthy don't sleep on bonnie's in the a10 tournament uh i i will not the a10 is is very interesting there's a lot of ways it can go about i think the bonnie's have a decent shot i think i think that the i think the a10 tournament is going to be really sneaky because there's a lot of there's a lot of different ways that they can go um but oshun oshuni being healthy is key for them to be successful and kyle lofton is is healthy as well those are their two best players um but oshuni what came into the season as one of the uh nation's better big men the on the preseason award preseason uh hoop hole lists and uh kind of underperformed a little bit and was hurt for a lot of the seasons but uh he's he's healthy now so day 10 will definitely be interesting so that's the pack 12 now we'll jump over to the acc Obviously, the ACC is, in my opinion, the weakest of the of the six power conferences. Um, you know, in my opinion, a lot of people say power five and stuff. I, I, I think in college basketball, it's a power six. 
Uh, Big East is definitely part of the power conferences, but the ACC is probably the weakest, mainly because Duke um, has kind of manhandled everybody, and they're by far the favorites. But the ACC tournament begin began today, um, Tuesday at Barclay. Everything's going down at Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Uh, first round happened today. Number twelve Pittsburgh took on number thirteen Boston College. Number ten Clemson took on number fifteen NC State. And number 11, Louisville, is taking on number 14, Georgia Tech, as we speak. And just and going through the scores, too, it looks like um, the it looks like Boston College picked off Pittsburgh and Clemson beat NC State. So um, that means that Clemson will be taking on Virginia Tech in the next round and Pittsburgh will be taking on Wake Forest. So the second round, so basically the structure of uh, this bracket is a little bit more interesting. There's 15 teams that all make it. So 10 through 15 play in the first round. Um, then five through nine all get uh, all get buys and I'll get one buy. And then one through four get two buys, and they make it automatically the third round. So then going down tomorrow night will be the second round. It'll be number eight, Florida State, taking on number nine, Syracuse, at 12. Um, That's going to be the first game of the day. The number five, Wake Forest, taking on Pittsburgh, who just beat Boston College to eliminate them. That'll go down. Uh, number five, Wake Forest taking on number 12, Pittsburgh will go down at 2.30 tomorrow. Then we got number seven, Virginia Tech taking on number 10, Clemson, go down at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. And then number six, Virginia will take on the winner of Louisville, Georgia Tech, which is going on right now. So that's going to be a couple of interesting ones. And then the third round takes place on Friday. And those games will be number, it will be led off by Duke. Number one, Duke will take on Florida State. Um, we'll take on the winner of Florida State versus Syracuse at 12 o'clock. Uh, num- number four, Miami will take on uh, the winner of Wake Forest versus Boston College. Uh, or, I'm sorry, the Wake Forest versus Pittsburgh. Uh, number two, Notre Dame then will take on the winner of Virginia Tech versus Clemson. And number three, North Carolina will take on the winner of Virginia Tech versus the winner of Louisville versus Georgia Tech. So it's tough to, you know, preview the third round, especially since, you know, there's a lot of like what ifs. There's three different possibilities for some of these teams uh, to play. But the top four teams that will get two buys and will automatically make it to Friday is Duke's number one, Notre Dame is number two. North Carolina is three and Miami is four. And then the semifinals, the two semifinal games will take place on Friday. Um, and the championship game will take place Saturday at 30 since everything begins today. Um, it'll be first round Tuesday. Second round takes place tomorrow, Wednesday, third round on Thursday, semis Friday and championship will take place Saturday night at eight 30. Um, so it's going to be another, going to be a very interesting one uh you know like i had for the i had for the pack 12 a few a few sneaky teams uh the acc i'll be honest with you i don't really have many sneaky teams uh we got tom scavetta who's a notre dame fan notre dame number two louisville leading georgia tech 27 to 17 late in the first half 
two two uh, teams that have struggled big time this year, but uh, Louisville should probably pull that out. But um, the I I think that Duke it's almost it's pretty much a layup for them to win the tournament. I think that Notre Dame and North Carolina will will both get at large bids, in my opinion. Uh, you know, Joe Lenardi might have a different opinion than me, but I think that the ACC will probably put out three teams in the tournament. Wake Forest has a shot as well. Um, but it's, I think that uh, Duke is pretty much, it's their tournament to lose. They've been the most dominant team. They've been the only team in the ACC that has been consistently in the top 25 throughout this entire season. So I think that it's, you know, it's pretty much, it's pretty much their conference to lose. And, uh, you know, there, there isn't really too many sneaky teams. If, if I had to say any, I would say Wake Forest five, Alondis Williams, one ACC player of the year, uh, barely beating out Armando Baycott from North Carolina. I also want to rule out North Carolina too, you know, after, after the way they just knocked off Duke on coach K night, you know, if they, they meet up with Duke in the in the national championship or in the ACC championship. That could be another fun one if they get rematched. But there's the ACC tournament for you. Definitely going to be an interesting one. Then we'll jump over to the Big Ten. The Big Ten, uh, arguably, in my opinion, not arguably, but in other people's opinion, it's arguable. The best, the best of the best conference in college basketball. Uh, I think that's definitely true. So there's 14 teams. The way that split up is twelve is eleven through fourteen all play tomorrow in the first round. Then the second round, uh, it's no, it's five through ten, and then the third round is one through four. So the one through four seeds all get two buys. Five through ten get one buy, and then eleven through fourteen have to play on day one. So everything's going down it begins tomorrow. It goes down at Gamebridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis. Uh, tomorrow's games, we got two games, number 12, Nebraska taking on number 13, Northwestern at six o'clock and then number 11, Penn state taking on number 14, Minnesota at eight 30. And that leads us into Thursday, which is the second round. We got number eight, Michigan taking on number nine, Indiana. That's, that's going to be a great game at 1130 AM on Thursday. Uh, that game's going to tip off. So that's going to be a very interesting one. Then we got number five, Iowa taking on the winner of Nebraska versus Northwestern should be a pretty, pretty much a gimme for Iowa that goes down at two o'clock. Then we got number seven, Michigan state versus number 10, Maryland at six 30. Uh, that's, that's another extremely interesting one that I think that is going to, uh, drag my attention a little bit because Maryland's a little bit of a sneaky team. Michigan state's been up and down this year. Uh, I, I like the sound of that. And then number six, Ohio state will take on the winner of Penn state versus Minnesota at nine o'clock. And then that leads us into day three with the third round. Illinois is the number one seed. Wisconsin's the two Purdue's the three and Rutgers is the four. All of them get two buys and autom- automatically make it to the quarterfinals. So third round, going down on on Friday will be number one, Illinois will take on the winner of Michigan versus Indiana. How crazy would it be if we get an Illinois versus Michigan uh, quarterfinals game? That would be insane at 1130 AM that's going down, which in Indianapolis is going to be 1030 in the morning. So those they're starting bright and early uh, for this tournament. And then at two o'clock, number four Rutgers will take on the winner of Iowa state versus the winner of Nebraska versus Northwestern. Yeah. So 
that's that's going to be an interesting possibility. And then with then number two, Wisconsin will take on the winner of Michigan State versus Maryland. And number three, Purdue will take on the winner of Ohio State versus the winner of Penn State versus Minnesota. So once again, it's it's difficult to preview day three uh, game matchups now because you know a lot of them are like blank plays plays the winner of blank versus blank, and it's uh, it's very difficult to see. But then. Besides that, the semifinals go down on Saturday. Both semifinals games will go down on Saturday, and the championship game takes place Sunday at 3.30 in the afternoon. So we'll get, um, I believe this is the last uh, the last championship game because that, that'll bring us right to 5.30, uh, pushing to 6 o'clock, and the selection show will be 6 o'clock. So I believe Sunday at 3.30, the Big Ten will be the final uh, conference championship that be the only one left by the by that point and then the big 12 um big 12 also another tremendous conference they're not the big they're not and you know it's kind of a misleading name but they're not really the big 12 anymore obviously with only nine teams but this this tournament will begin tomorrow as well everything goes down at t-mobile center in kansas city uh, only one game takes place tomorrow. The two bottom seeds, number eight, Kansas State versus number nine, West Virginia, takes place at seven o'clock. Um, then the winner of that game will take on number one, Kansas. So then that's based. So that's basically the way that this is structured is uh, your basic one, your basic eight team uh, bracket, except uh, Kansas State versus West Virginia is kind of like the play in to see who gets the eight seed. Um, and the winner will take on the number one seed. And then the second round goes down on Thursday. Number four, Texas takes on number five, TCU at 1230. Number one, Kansas will take on the winner of K-State versus West Virginia at three. Number two, Baylor will take on number seven, Oklahoma at seven. And then number three, Texas Tech will take on number six, Iowa State at 930. I think that's going to be a big game. That's the most. That's honestly the most intriguing game in the second round for me. I think Texas versus TCU is also going to be a really good game, but I think Texas will take take care of them. I think Texas Tech versus Iowa State is going to be a really good game. Then the semifinals will go down on Friday, and the championship will take place Saturday night at seven o'clock. So a couple of sneaky teams that I can see in the Big Twelve. Um, Kansas is the one seed. You can go back and forth. Baylor is the two seed. You can go back and forth on who you think is going to win. Um, Kansas and Baylor are obviously the top ones. I, Texas Tech, to me, if I had to choose somebody to win the Big 12, I'm going with Texas Tech. I've been high on them all season long. Um, if I had to fill out my bracket for uh, for the Big 12 tournaments, I would I would go Texas Tech winning it all. But um, another some other sneaky teams, Iowa State, you can't count out. Um but besides that, Oklahoma struggle. TCU is all. TCU is also a sneaky matchup against Texas, but I think that they'll probably take care of them. Um, you know, Texas Tech is really my sneaky team. You know, they're. It's tough to say Texas Tech is sneaky when they've been in the top twenty-five all season long, but it's, um, you know, compared to Kansas for and Baylor, they're definitely getting overlooked as potential conference champions. Uh, Tom Scavetta thinks Baylor's going to win. I. Um, and he also thinks that Wisconsin is going to win, going to um, win the Big Ten. Very interesting. I didn't even make my pick for uh, 
for the Big Ten. I personally, I think Purdue's going to win the Big Ten. That's that's my hunch. Purdue's the three seed. Um, you know, I think that Illinois will have a great shot. Rutgers always plays uh, upset every single year. And especially all throughout this year, they've they've been a nuisance for a lot of teams. So I think and Wisconsin's great. They're just coming off a bad loss, so it kind of worries me a little bit. But um, yeah, that's the Big Ten, and then the Big Twelve. Uh, I I'm going with Texas Tech, but there's some sneaky teams in there. The, that Texas Tech Iowa State game is is really sneaky because I I'm taking Texas tech, but I'm not even convinced that they're, that they're going to uh, win in the quarterfinals against Iowa state. Cause Iowa state's a tough team that kind of fell off towards the end of the season. And then we'll go over the big East. Obviously I'm a St. John's fan, even though I'm wearing a North Carolina shirt today, I'm wearing a Michael Jordan shirt. Um, the big East tournament goes down, begins tomorrow at Madison square garden as it does every year. Uh, the way the brackets is set up, there's 11 teams that all make it. The eight seed versus the uh, six, six through 11 all play tomorrow, and then one through four all play, um, all get one by, and they automatically make it to the second round. So what's going down tomorrow is number eight Xavier will take on number nine Butler. At 4.30, number seven, St. John's will take on number 10, DePaul, at 7 o'clock. It's always a home court advantage for the Johnnies because it's at Madison Square Garden where they play a portion of their home games. Number six, Seton Hall will take on number 11, Georgetown, at 9.30. And then the second round, Providence, Creighton, Villanova, and UConn all get buys. They're all the top four seeds. So second round, which will go down on Thursday at noon, number one, Providence will take on the winner of Xavier versus Butler. Number four, Creighton will take on number five, Marquette. The, there's five teams that get buys. So Creighton versus Marquette's already a set matchup that's automatically going to the quarterfinals. Uh, that that takes place on Thursday at 2.30. Then number two, Villanova will take on the winner of St. John's versus DePaul. Tough matchup for the Johnnies if they're able to knock off DePaul, which they should be. Um, they're going to have to take on Villanova at number two, but they kind of dug themselves into that deep of a hole. Um, that, that takes place at 7 o'clock. And then number three, UConn, taking on the winner of Seton Hall versus Georgetown at 9.30. And then the semifinals will take place on Friday, and the championship goes down Saturday at 6.30 p.m. Uh, for the Big East title. And obviously Georgetown won the Big East title last year after having an underwhelming season. They ran the table, so there's always, always the possibility of something like that happening. My sneaky team's... Providence has been dynamic all season long. Providence, Villanova is probably the favorite. Providence probably the second, uh, probably the second favorite. My sneaky teams uh, in this tournament, though, uh, I'm not sold on Seton Hall. I'm not sold on St. John's, even though I'm a St. John's fan. I would love to see St. John's make a run, but I, I don't know if that's really in them. I think that Creighton Marquette matchup is not only an intriguing matchup that is going to be a must-watch Thursday at two thirty in the afternoon, but the winner of that game, I think is your potential big East uh, champion. I, I like what I've seen from both Creighton and Marquette. Shock is smart's done a great job in his first year at Marquette. Uh, Justin Lewis has had an amazing season and all big East season. Creighton has, has had a dynamic year as they always do. I think those are two sneaky teams that the winner of that game will most likely play Providence uh, in the semifinals 
whoever wins that game could pick off Providence, I think, and make and make it to the Big East Championship. I my my eyes are on Creighton and Marquette to possibly make runs at uh at a Big East title because and ne- neither of those teams, I'm not sure uh what the at-large bid looks like for uh Creighton and Marquette. But I know Providence, Villanova, and UConn are all locks to make the tournament. Regardless, they've been in and out of the top twenty-five consistently. I'm not sure what Creighton and Marquette are, but you know, obviously, winning the Big East you get an automatic bid. So that would be amazing. Creighton and Marquette are my two sneaky teams in the Big East to watch out for. And then we'll jump over to the SEC. Uh, the SEC takes play goes down tomorrow uh, in Amelie Arena, home of the Tampa Bay Lightning. For you hockey fans in Tampa, Florida, uh, the way the bracket set up, there's 14 teams. So 11 through 14 play in the first round, and then six through 10 all get buys, all get one buy and play in the second round. And then the top four seeds, one through four, uh, get two buys and automatically make it to the quarterfinals. So the first games, which takes place tomorrow, number 12 Missouri will take on number 13 Ole Miss at seven at six o'clock p.m. And that'll be followed by number 11, Vanderbilt, taking on number 14, Georgia, at 8 p.m. And then the second round will begin on Thursday. Number 8, Texas A&M, will take on number 9, Florida, at noon. Number 5, LSU, will take on the winner of Missouri versus Ole Miss at 2. Number 7, South Carolina, will take on number 10, Mississippi State, at 6. And then number 6, Alabama, will take on the winner of Vanderbilt, Georgia, at 8 o'clock. The top four seeds are Auburn, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Arkansas in that order. Uh, Auburn, then on Friday in the third round, Auburn will take on the winner of Texas A&M versus Florida. Arkansas will take on the winner of LSU versus the winner of Missouri Ole Miss. Uh, Tennessee will take on the winner of South Carolina, Mississippi State. And Kentucky will take on the winner of Alabama versus the winner of Vanderbilt, uh, Georgia. So very interesting, uh, going to be a very interesting tournament in the SEC. Uh, my personal pick is Kentucky. I think Kentucky's going to win it. Uh, I think they may upset Auburn. Auburn's definitely the favorite. Auburn um, is a favorite to be a one seed right now in the tournament. But it's, my personal pick is Kentucky. I think that if Kentucky gets hot, it's going to be tough for them to lose. The semifinals will also take place on Saturday. And then the championship will take place Sunday at 1. So you have the SEC championship Sunday at 1, followed by the Big Ten championship Sunday at 3.30. And then the selection and then the selection show is at 6 o'clock on CBS. So going to be an absolutely insane weekend coming up, obviously. We'll have a bracket by the end of the day on Sunday. Absolutely amazing. But uh, Kentucky is going to be my pick in the SEC. Uh, but some, some teams – that you got to watch out for. Definitely Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas has been picking off everybody this year. J.D. Note has had an amazing season. Um, I I like the look of them. I also like LSU, too, who's a five seed. Tari Easton has had an amazing season this year. Uh, I think that they're kind of sneaky. I also think, think that Florida as a nine seed is kind of sneaky, but they're, they're not going to beat Auburn. I mean, they might beat Texas A&M, who's the eighth seed. Uh, in the first, in the second round, but they're not going to beat Auburn in the quarterfinals, in my opinion. But I also I, I like I like Florida. I think that they that they're another sneaky team. But if I had to go with the two sneaky teams, it's tough to say Arkansas is a sneaky team since they've been 
uh, in the top 25, like all season long. And LSU has been in and out of the top 25, but those are my two sneaky teams in the SEC. But, you know, that just goes to show you, I think, I think the national, the SEC championship comes Sunday at one is going to be Auburn versus Kentucky. Uh, in my opinion, I think that's, it'll probably be Kentucky versus Tennessee in uh, the semifinals. Kentucky will probably beat them. Then Auburn will probably take on either Arkansas or LSU in um, uh, in the semifinals and probably take care of whoever that is. So uh, that's I think it will be an Auburn versus Kentucky SEC championship. And if that's the case, that's best-case scenario for college basketball fans because the, those are two dynamic teams. You want to see – you want to see them fighting it out to, to win it, to win the SEC. So those are the power six conferences. Thank you everybody for staying tuned as I ran through them. Hope you guys learned a good amount um, that you didn't already know about the schedules and about everything that's going down this week. Basically, obviously uh, most of since the regular season is over, most of the conferences all came out with their, uh, their, players of the year and defensive player of the year and first teams and second teams and all that. So you can go check those out for your favorite conferences. Uh, there are some interesting choices in there. Uh, if we had, if we had a nice two, if we had a two hour long show, I would go through them, but uh, that's not the case. We also have to run through last but not least. Now that the season regular season's over, I gave my top 10 wooden award uh, ladder a couple months ago. So I have to give my updated one and this will probably be my last one before they name the award, the wooden award, but my top 10 national player of the year ladder uh, as our comes in as our last segment. So we'll start from number 10 as we did last time. And obviously it's my opinion. Got a lot of slack for my last one, um, which was kind of, was, um, you know, got a lot of slack from a lot of Kentucky fans because I didn't have Oscar Sheebway at number one uh, two months ago. And, you know, the college basketball was a lot different uh, two months ago. We got we got another Kentucky fan right there, Oscar Sheebway. Uh, so let's jump right into it without any further ado. At number 10, I got Paolo Bencaro um, from Duke, freshman, averaged 17.1 points, 7.7 boards, 3.1 assists, and a steal. Going to be a top three pick in this upcoming NBA draft. Most likely, uh, Bancaro has been fantastic all season long, been the star of this Duke team as a freshman, one of the best freshmen in the nation. You know the drill. Um, he's He comes in at number 10. So a, a lot of people have him uh, further higher up in their top 10s, but I think that the guys that I'll continue to name all were slightly more deserving. Then number nine, we got Jabari Smith from Auburn, another freshman, in my opinion, might be the first overall pick in this upcoming draft. He averaged 17.1 points, 6.9 boards, 1.8 assists, and 1.1 steals. Uh, he did just about everything for Auburn this year, who was, uh, if not the best team in the nation, the second or third best team in the nation all season long. He was absolutely amazing. So Jabari Smith comes in at number nine. The number eight, uh, you know, did not think that with the way his season was going, I did not think he'd be this far down in my final top 10, but O'Shea Abaji from Kansas it, it comes in at number eight, averaged 19.8 points a game, 5.2 boards, 
1.7 assists, shot 41.1% from three. Uh, Igbaji, uh, fourth-year senior, had a tremendous year all season long for Kansas, was their top player, uh, was their top scorer, top defensive option. He, he did just about everything for them. He had an amazing season, and you know he's the definition of improving your draft stock from staying in college because he kept – he was a potential second round pick each of the last two, three years, uh, early second round, possibly even late first round. And he decided to stay in college and he improved his offensive game. And he's going to end up being probably a mid to late first round pick now in uh, the 2022 NBA draft. So good for him. Uh, Kansas has, is definitely going to be one of those sneaky teams in the tournament that I think, you know, aren't in the conversation with Gonzaga and Baylor and in uh, Auburn, but can definitely make a run. And then number seven, we got Benedict Matherin from Arizona. Um, Matherin's been, had an amazing season as the leader for the Wildcats who have had an incredible year. Uh, the number ranked number two in the top 25, he averaged 17.3 points, 5.7 rebounds, two and a half assists and a steal. Uh, per game this season. So Matherin comes in number seven. He slightly, uh, I give the, the slight edge to him over Baji mainly because Arizona has been the better team this season. And then number six, I got EJ Liddell. Um, you know, Ohio State fell out of the top 25. He's the only guy in this top 10 that's not in the final top 20 top 25 but EJ Liddell had an had an absolutely amazing season as the star go-to guy for Ohio State you know you had Malachi Branham who kind of uh came on the scene late but for the most part Liddell was doing the heavy lifting all season long for the Buckeyes average 19.4 points 7.9 rebounds 2.6 blocks as a 6-7 forward and 2.6 assists so Liddell comes in at number six number five I got Jaden Ivey from Purdue, uh, Jay and Ivy had a, a magnificent season uh, for the Boilermakers, who were a consistent team in the top 10 all season long. Averaged 17.2 points, 4.7 boards, three assists, and one steal. And then number four, so obviously now that I got five through 10 done, uh, most college basketball fans can figure out who's in my top four because this is the top four for pretty much everybody. But what's the order going to be? Number four is Kofi Coburn. Um, I think Coburn had an absolutely magnificent year. Uh, he kind of, his numbers started to dip towards the end of the season, but he averaged 21 points, 10.6 boards, 0 0.8 blocks, 0 0.8 steals. Uh, you know, 21 and 11, you cannot, for a college basketball season is absolutely amazing. You can't. There, there's no excuse uh, to not have a player averaging 21-11 for a Big Ten school to not be in the National Player of the Year ranking. So he comes in at number four. Then at number three, I got Keegan Murray at number three. I give Murray a little bit of the edge over uh, Coburn just because he literally has done everything for Iowa. Not only did he score, he averaged 23.3 points. 8.6 rebounds, 2.1 blocks, 1.3 steals. I mean, he is that all-around stud Keegan Murray. Absolutely amazing season, and I think he was number three. And now my one and two. This, this is pretty much the one and two for everybody. Um, 
Johnny Davis into Oscar Shebway are obviously the one and two, but in what order? Um, I'm going. Uh, I'm going in the order of Johnny Davis being two, and Oscar Shebway is my national player of the year. Johnny Davis for Wisconsin averaged 20 points, 8.1 rebounds, 2.2 assists, and 1.1 steals. And Oscar Shebway, an absolutely dominant season for Kentucky this year. 17.3 points, 15.3 rebounds a game, 1.5 blocks, 1.9 steals. He was a menace on the defensive end, menace on the offensive end. Uh, He was all around the best player in college basketball this season. And... And I appreciate that. I I knew you would like the list, especially with uh with number one, but Oscar Shebway is my number one. John, Johnny Davis is my number two. So, running through the top ten real quick, my number one is uh we'll we'll start with ten. Number ten, I had Paolo Bancaro. Number nine, Jabari Smith. Number eight, Oshayabaji. Number seven, Benedict Matherin. Number six, EJ Liddell. Number five, Jaden Ivey. Number four, Kofi Coburn. Number three, Keegan Murray. Number two, Johnny Davis. And my national player of the year, the one award winner is Oscar Shebway from Kentucky. So that's going to wrap it up for tonight's episode. I want to thank everyone who tuned into the Review and Preview Network to watch another episode of the 3ND and to all those listening via podcasts, YouTube, etc. You can also follow the show on Twitter at the3ND. Hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week. It's conference tournament week, selection Sunday coming on Sunday. More, more, more content is going to be coming out in the coming weeks. So everybody stay tuned and stay tuned for more updates and brand new episodes coming every Tuesday night at 7. This upcoming week we'll be having our selection Sunday special. So more information to come with that. But um, hope everybody enjoys the, this slate of college basketball go watch some college basketball now uh you know listen to listen to my thoughts uh if you haven't already um on the via podcasts and all the rest and we will talk to you next week enjoy everybody